All right. Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to be together. My name is Kent. I am one of the directors here with the church, but uh, every once in a while, I get to, to stand up and, and share like this. So um, real excited to, to be here with you. It's crazy that, that summer is, is finally coming to an end. It feels to me like it's, like it's really flown by, um, but I've enjoyed it a ton. Um, got to do a lot of, a lot of fun things, so, so that was cool. My wife and I actually just recently got back from a vacation that we went on. We got to go out to, uh, to Colorado this year, and I want to show you a quick picture from it. Um, this is us. This is me and my wife, Lauren, in Colorado. That's at a place uh, called Maroon Lake. It was, it was so beautiful. We got to go out there and visit some of our, our students out there that are, that are doing LT. And it was amazing. The picture doesn't do it justice at all. And so I wanted to show you this one because I know starting off a sermon is great when you make people jealous. So I thought, <laughs> let's just make everybody a little jealous today. Um, but, but really, I also wanted to ask you a question. And it's, have you ever had a moment where you took a photo of something and, and you just didn't have the, the words to describe it, right? The photo just didn't do it justice. Have you ever experienced that? And so you have some friends over, you show the photo, it just, it doesn't like live up to, to what you want it to. And so then you use words and you try to explain what it actually looked like and, and you're still just, just coming up short. Well, what I want to suggest today is that for many of us, this is our experience with, with faith, right? That, that we try to explain it. And we've talked each week that the faith is one of those words that, that's kind of become diluted in our culture. And so it's, it's kind of hard to explain, and it's almost beyond words. Um, so what we've been doing in this series, um, if you've been with us, you know, it's called Hall of Faith. And we've been looking at, at these people in, in Hebrews 11 that were really just kind of known for their faith. And, and really what our goal has been has been just to, to look at their lives and to, to really see what real faith looks like. That, that beyond the words, uh, beyond any pictures, like real faith, it actually was alive in the people who went before us. And as we've seen, we believe that, that it can be alive in us uh, here now as well. And so um, it has been good. I hope that you've gotten something out of it. I know that, that I have. I've been really encouraged by it. But let me show you where we're at right now. We're coming to the end of, of Hebrews. Um, we've got a couple weeks left, um, so if you want to pull out a Bible, you can, turn on your phone, whatever you got to do. We're in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're in verse 32, and it says, and what more shall I say? What more shall I say? Some of you are like, what more do they have to say? They've been doing this series all summer. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Wow. What more shall we say? That was a lot, right? There's a whole lot of people in there, and we don't have, just like the author, we don't have time to cover everyone, but we do have a couple more weeks. So I'm excited today to get to cover one of them, and the person I'm going to talk about is Samson. And if you grew up in church, maybe you've, maybe you've heard of Samson before. He was gifted this incredible strength from God. He's almost like the first superhero that we see in the Bible. If you've never heard of Samson before, maybe you saw the movie. Um, in 2018, there was a movie that came out called Samson, um, which, yeah, there's a, there's a picture of it right there. They made Samson look like super just like chiseled and buff. Um, actually, commentators suggest that he probably wasn't that like impressive looking physically. 
Because whenever he would do like a, a feat of strength, people would say, where is his, his great strength coming from, right? And if it was clear that he was like big and buff, it'd be obvious, you know? <laughs> it'd be coming from his muscles. And so, surprise, surprise, the, uh, the movie probably isn't all that accurate, but, but in the book, we see Samson is completely different. In the book of Judges is where Samson's story is found. Uh, Samson is actually known more for his weakness and failures. He's incredibly strong, he's gifted by God, but he's known for, for his failures. And, and there's four chapters on his life, and we won't get to see them all today. But what I want to do is I want to just give you a bird's eye view of who Samson was. And we're going to look at his, his failures, and then ultimately we're going to look at his faith. Um, and I think as we do it, what we're going to discover is, is just that we're a lot like Samson. It's a big idea. If, if you don't remember anything else, remember that we're, we're a lot like Samson. Um, and I'm just going to point out some ways that I've, I've found this to be true. So um, if you want to, if you got your Bibles out, go ahead right now and flip to, to Samson's book. It's the book of Judges, um, and I'm going to start in, in chapter 13. His story starts like this. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Quick pause right there. So the Philistines are, are the enemies of God at this time, right? And the, the reason why they were a threat to the nation of Israel wasn't because they were, they were wanting to, to kill the Israelites or anything like that. It was actually because they were wanting to change the Israelites. They were inviting the Israelites into their culture, and the Israelites are just kind of following along. They begin to worship the, the Philistine god, Dagon. There's some child sacrifice going on. It's just getting really, really ugly. Someone called this, um, they called it extermination by assimilation. Right, that the Israelites were being assimilated into the Philistine culture. And this is where Samson enters into the picture. Verse 2, there was a certain man of Zorah, of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean, for behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So this is the beginning of Samson's story. Starts out super bright. He's, he's miraculously born to a barren woman, and then he's given this, this list of rules, this Nazarite vow that's really strict. We'll talk about that later. And then he's given this incredible purpose. And, and readers are meant to sort of draw some parallels here because it's supposed to sound kind of familiar. Right? The nation of Israel, you might remember from a couple weeks back when we talked about, about, about Jacob, the nation of Israel was, was born in the same way. Born to a, to a barren woman, Sarah, right? right in the line of Sarah. And then... Um, uh, the nation of Israel was also given a, a strict law code, right? The book of Leviticus. Um, and then the nation of Israel is also given this incredible purpose. So we have this parallel between the people of God and Samson. And so my first point for us is, is this, that like Samson, the people of God are given incredible purpose. Just like Samson, the people of God are given this incredible purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I'm not saying we're all like miracle babies like Samson or anything like that. What I'm saying is if, if you're here and you're a Christian, while you didn't have this miraculous birth, you had a miraculous rebirth. 
When you became a Christian, you were reborn in Christ and given this this new purpose. And here, if you're someone who wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, that invitation is extended to you as well. But just like Samson, we live in this culture and in this world that is constantly trying to assimilate us into uh, whatever the culture is doing, right? It's trying to get us to miss out on this purpose that God has for us. Actually, um, quick story, I grew up um, playing hockey my whole life. And uh, when I was young, you know, like a lot of young kids, I thought my purpose was going to be to grow up and be this amazing professional hockey player. And so I directed my whole life towards this purpose. And it got, like, really intense. Actually, when I was 16, I, I moved away from home, uh, moved, moved actually all the way from Florida up to Connecticut and went to a boarding school just to kind of climb up the, the hockey ladder. And so um, I was a Christian at this point, and um, I never sort of, like, rejected God or anything like that. But what I found is that the more and more I began to focus on hockey, the more and more I would sort of become assimilated into to hockey culture, right? So it wasn't that I left my faith behind, but if you would have come up and talked to me, you probably wouldn't have even been able to tell that I was a Christian. Like, you definitely would have been able to tell that I was a hockey player, right? But, but my Christianity, my faith was sort of in the background. Well, Eventually, um, a couple years pass, and something weird happens. I end up getting this, this disease, and I'm, I'm really sick, and I have to go to the hospital, and I'm there for basically a whole month. I lose 30 pounds, and all this stuff happens, and I have to, to skip a season of hockey, and it's just rough. And I'm wondering, like, like what is going on? And I remember laying there in the, in the hospital room and just thinking, like, I have not been living out the purpose that God has for, me, for my life. Like, hockey's great and everything, but, but I feel like I have more of a purpose in God. And in a weird way, I felt like this disease that I had got was God saying, like, here's a second chance or something like that, that he had something better for me. Listen, we live in a world where the enemy is constantly trying to get us to miss out on whatever God has for us, right? He's trying to assimilate us into the culture just to, to go with the flow, right? But God has an amazing purpose for each one of us, just like Samson is miraculously born and given a purpose in Christ, we can be miraculously reborn and do a, a purpose. So that's point number one. Um, let's get back to, to Samson, though. Um, hopping down to chapter 14 now, um, we'll go down to, to verse 5. It says, Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah. And they came to the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion came roaring toward him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion to pieces as one tears a young goat. Apparently, that would have been really relatable to people back then, tearing goats. I guess that's something they did, you know, like, you want to come over and hang out? We'll chill, tear some goats, it'll be great. Uh, I don't relate to that, but that made sense to them. So he tore a lion as one tears a young goat. And then it says, but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, for she was right in Samson's eyes. After some days, he returned to take her. As he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, or he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. Experts have tried to figure out how this could have been. They say it's possible that the lion maybe ate a part of a beehive or ate a beehive, and so after Samson breaks them apart, you know, like a, like a goat, uh, he, he finds this, this beehive inside the, the belly of the, of the lion. Um, verse 9, and he scraped it out, scraped the honey out into his hands and went on eating as he went. 
And he went to his father and mother and gave some to them, and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. So here Samson's life actually gets going, right? And we've, we've seen him have this, this really bright start, but then things take a turn. And it all centers around Samson seeing this woman, and it says this statement that she was right in his eyes. And this is another one of those things that's supposed to parallel the nation of Israel. You read in, in the Old Testament that they often did what was right in their eyes. And so just like the nation of Israel was, was chasing after foreign gods, we see Samson here chasing after foreign women. And the issue wasn't necessarily like racial or anything like that. It wasn't a problem that he was going after foreign women. The problem was, in order to get her, he was breaking this Nazarite vow that he had taken. So now let me explain what that Nazarite vow was all about. I, I studied it for a little bit, and what I found was that not only was he supposed to avoid alcohol and unclean foods, but he was actually also supposed to avoid all of the ingredients. So this meant no grapes. This meant um, nothing dead right? So for us today, that would basically just mean like no barbecues, you know what I mean? Like no burgers, none of that stuff. So I'm really glad that this was Samson's thing and it's not our thing today. Um, but so Samson's under this vow, um, in order to get this woman, he just makes a beeline for the vineyards of, in, in basically in wine country, goes straight to wine country, breaks his vow, and then afterwards he stops off and literally grabs a snack out of the belly of this lion. And he does it all because it's right in his eyes, this girl's right in his eyes in the moment. He's just like completely careless. And so my second point is, is, is simple. Like Samson, we can be careless too. We can be careless. And, and I probably don't need to convince you that, that you know, we live in a culture that, that tends to, you know, just do whatever is right in our eyes in the moment, right? We follow our hearts, whatever it is, if it's lust, you know, women, money, food, you know, we just, we live in this culture that tends to go after the things that we want, and we go after them in that moment. But I might need to convince you that this isn't just the culture's issue, that it's, that it's your issue and it's my issue in some way. Um, I actually read this article about, about texting, well, I heard this, um, about texting and driving. Um, and there's a stat that said if you text when you drive, you're 23 times more likely to have an accident. I guess it impairs your, your response time um, you know, more than, more than like alcohol and marijuana combined. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> um, but for some reason, like, we're tempted to do it. I'm tempted to do it. And so you got to ask why. And I think it's because in like, in the moment, there's this finite moment where it matters more to us or we care more about what's on that little screen than about the safety of the people around us. Right? We care more about our personal satisfaction than the people around us. We just want a little bit of honey, you know? And, and my point isn't just don't text and drive. Like, we probably shouldn't do that. But my main point is that if we don't learn to deny ourselves and obey the will of God, then we could wreck our lives. We could. If we don't learn to, to deny what we want in the moment at times and, and obey the will of God, what he has for our lives, then we can wreck our lives. And nothing bad has happened to Samson yet so far, um, but I want to jump back in and, and let's see. Um, so for the sake of time, uh, for this next section, I'm just going to kind of summarize what happens because there's a whole lot more that happens in Samson's life and we don't have time to hit everything. But we see that he's been careless with his vow thus far, and now things get easier and easier and easier for him to, to continue to, to disobey. So he ends up throwing this huge engagement party for this girl. It's like an ancient, ancient kegger, right? So he 
breaks another part of, part of his vow. He goes a little bit further. Um, then he tells this riddle about, about the, the honey and the lion incident, and he bets people that they won't be able to solve it. Well, they get the answer out of his wife. They solve the riddle, so he ends up losing the bet, and he's got to pay up. So in order to make the payment, he actually goes and kills a bunch of Philistines and, and robs them, and then he makes the payment. And so obviously, at this point, the Philistines are mad, so they retaliate, and, and they get his wife and her dad, and, and they burn their house with them inside of it. Kill his wife and... And, and her dad. And so obviously this makes Samson mad. And so Samson retaliates in a really in- interesting way. He goes and he catches 300 foxes. And it says that he ties their tail together with a torch and he releases the foxes into their grain fields, sets them on fire. Like, I don't know how mad you would have to be, <laughs> you know what I mean? To, to catch, three, like he got to 100 foxes and he was like, nope, that's not enough. I am 300 foxes worth of angry. Like, I need to go get some more foxes and, and set these, these foxes free. So his life is definitely taking this, like, downward spiral. Well, then the Philistines retaliate uh, because of the foxes, and they surround Samson's town. And, and Samson's own people at this point, they're like, well, we don't want to mess with these Philistines. So they hand Samson over. And then you get to the famous story where Samson breaks free, gets the jawbone of a donkey, right, and, and whoops up a bunch of Philistines. And the crazy part is before he drops the jawbone, he actually writes a song about himself, about how awesome he is, right? So he's getting like, how proud do you have to be? If you're writing a song about yourself, you're pretty proud, you know what I mean? And uh, since I'm our worship director here, I just felt like I needed to take a second and just show us the song. Uh, it doesn't rhyme in English. It's there in verse 16. Uh, it says, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have struck down a thousand men. Um, there's a pastor named J.D. Greer uh, that says in Hebrew, this would have rhymed. And it probably would have sounded kind of like an Eminem rap song. He, uh, he said it would have been, With the jawbone of an ass, I piled them in a mass. With the jawbone of an ass, I had a blast. And then he drops the jawbone like he's dropping a mic and then just backs away. <laughs> right? Like, this is why they make movies out of stories like this. You know, it's just like super entertaining. But we see Samson here, and he's, he's in this downward spiral. Right? Like, he's proud, he's arrogant. But something that we might not notice in this section is never once do you hear about him having any accountability, never once do you hear about him having any close friends or, or, or anything like that. So point number three is, is that like Samson, we can be tempted to go it alone. We can be tempted to, to think we can do it all by ourselves. Listen, one of the enemy's greatest lies is, is to tell you and to convince you that you're strong enough to do things all by yourself but you're not. You were literally made for community. The Bible says that you were made in the image of God, and we know that God is a relational being by nature, right? Father, Son, and Spirit. God is relational, and he's made us to be the same way. We weren't made to do life alone. And this is why um, I love that we have these groups, right? This, this place that we, where we can go and we can have community and we have huddles, right? Our huddles are, are the way that we disciple leaders and, and future leaders. And we have these things so that we can get together and we can share the real stuff that's going on in our lives. And they've been such a huge blessing to me over the years. Um, shameless plug, obviously, if you haven't checked out one, I want to encourage you to, to definitely do that. But, but there's no pressure. Really, what I'm, what I'm getting at is that if you don't have someone in your life who knows the real stuff, you need to get someone. 
You need to share what's really going on. Otherwise, we can have all of this unchecked stuff, right? Pride, anger, all this stuff, and our lives can spiral like Samson without us even realizing it. So don't try to go it alone. That's, that's my next point. Back to the text. Now we're in chapter 16, um, and it's this famous passage of, of Samson and Delilah. Uh, verse 4, it says, After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Is anybody another radio show? Delilah. Like, I always think of that whenever I read Delilah. Sorry. Uh, so... He meets this girl, his name is Delilah, he loves her. It says, And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one might subdue you. She's not very subtle there. Verse 7, Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought her up seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound them with them. Now she had men lying in ambush in an inner chamber, which is interesting. And she said to them, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Samson totally plays with her. Right? He just kind of is messing with her. In verse 10, Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And this cycle just continues two more times. He actually, you know, he apologizes. He says, Oh, you know, actually what you need to do is you need to use ropes. You need to use two new, two new ropes. So she does that. He breaks free. She cries again. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Actually, what you need to do is you need to do my hair up with a pin. And so she does his hair up with a pin. Uh, he breaks free again. And then we get to this final time. And she pulls out the big guns. And you would think that at this point, Samson would just be committed, like he would get it. But it's like, women, you have this power over men. Like, if you don't know that, just know men are kind of stupid, right? And if you, if you are upset enough, we won't want to let that stand. We will want to, to help make you feel better. And, and that's what Samson tries to do here. Um, says, and she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me these three times and you've not told me where your great strength lies. Then she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him and his soul was vexed to death. And he, t- yeah, she wore him down. And, and he told her all his heart, And he said to her, a razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Then Delilah saw that he had told her all of his heart. She sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, come up again, for he has told me all of his heart. Then the lords of Philistine came up to her, and they brought the money in their hands. Uh, She made him sleep on her knees. And she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks on his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. Again, she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep, and get this. He says, I'm going to break out and shake myself free, just like I did the other times. But here's the, the creepy part. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. It's so sad. In verse 21, then the Philistines seized him. They gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. And they bound him with bronze shackles. 
and he ground in the mill in the prison. Here we see where Samson's lifestyle led him. And the crazy part is he had no idea that it was coming, right? He's just living the dream. He's partying it up and he's singing songs about how good of a time he's having. And, and up until now, there haven't really been any consequences. But then he just makes one final compromise, just one more step, and it leaves him blinded and in chains and grinding in this mill. Point number four is like Samson, we're tempted to compromise. In whatever area of your life it might be, in your financial life, your sexual purity, right, we're, we're, your diet, we're tempted to compromise. You know, it's just one more dessert. It's just one more purchase. It's just looking at something on the internet, right? What am, I, what am I hurting if I do a little of this? I've done it before and nothing bad has happened, right? We can be tempted to think those things. Listen, what if the harm wasn't in the action itself, but it was in driving out the presence of God in your life? What if, what if God didn't like judge us when we do something wrong by striking us with a bolt of lightning and instead his judgment was just letting us walk in our own way and step by step by step we get further and further away from God until we're so far away that we can't even tell when he's there and when he's not. This is terrifying. We could literally be walking away from God as we make compromises and, and not even know it. And I know that, that some of us right now maybe have been in a spot where you've been compromising in, in certain areas of your faith, and maybe it's been fine up till now, but maybe it hasn't. And maybe, maybe you're, you're here and you're feeling like you're in shackles, like you're blind. Uh, if that's you, I just want to tell you, it's not the end of the story, right? It, they've, they've made movies out of this because it has a happy ending for the most part. Uh, so, so let's jump back in and, and, and let's see. There's, there's hope for us. Verse 22 says, but the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved, right? Just like Samson's hair starts growing in the morning, God's mercies are new for us every morning. His hair begins to grow. Verse 23, now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice and they said, Our gods have given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. And they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravenger of our country who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he entertained them. And they made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which, on which the house rests that I may lean against him. Notice how humbled Samson is. Here's this leader of the nation of Israel now being led by a young Philistine boy. He's at his lowest point. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, and on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked while Samson entertained. And here's his big moment of faith. Right Up until now, we've talked about Samson's failures. Here's his faith. Verse 28, then Samson called to the Lord. He calls out to the Lord. He's finally weak enough to realize that the source of his strength hasn't been his hair, hasn't been his muscles, hasn't been any of that. The source of his strength was God. In his moment of weakness, he calls out to the Lord and says, O oh Lord, 
Please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed with all of his strength, and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed in his death were more than those whom he killed during his life. This is the reason why Samson is in the hall of faith. It's not because of his, his great strength or anything like that. It's because of the fact that in his weakest moment, he cried out to God. Point number five, fifth and finally, is that like Samson, it's never too late for us to cry out to God in faith. It's never too late. I know there's some of us who, who feel way too much like Samson. We've been careless. We've made compromises. Maybe there are things going on in your life right now that you haven't told anybody about. You've been living in secret. Listen, it's never too late to call out to God. Samson's failures ultimately point us to the reality that there is another hero. He's not the hero of the story. It, it is not Samson. There'd be another who would come who, like Samson, would, would be miraculously born. Like Samson, he'd have incredible strength over the enemy. Like Samson, he'd be handed over by his friends and would ultimately accomplish victory through his death. But this is the most important part. Unlike Samson, he wasn't handed over for his sin. He willingly gave himself over for ours. This is the good news. This is Jesus. This is the gospel. And it's, it's great because all of us have been given over in some way, whether it's by our lust, by our, uh, our selfishness, our pride, whatever it is. Jesus freely and willingly gave himself to pay for all of that this morning. His mercies are new here for us. And so when we cry out to him, he gives us his forgiveness for our past, right? Gives us his forgiveness. But not only that, he gives us his strength to move forward into the future. The only way we will ever be strong is in Jesus. This is the only way. And so here's how I want to wrap things up as we, as we kind of go into this, this time together um, in worship. I want to just talk about two ways that, that we can respond. Um, and it's remorse or it's repentance. Remorse or repentance. And, and to, to respond with remorse could look like one of two things. It could look like being angry at yourself for all the mistakes that you've made right? You could say, I hate myself. Look what I've done with my life. Or you could blame other people. You could be like, look what they did to my life. And in that scenario, you just sit there and you leave here upset at someone. But that's not the only option. The other option is, is repentance. And the Bible talks about repentance. It literally is this word that just means to change the way you think, to turn from, from one way and to turn to something else. And what that looks like is it looks like instead of blaming somebody or being angry about our, our sins, it literally just means owning our sins. But the most important part is it means then receiving the grace of God. That we own those sins and we offer them up to Jesus who paid for them. We can't get rid of our past mistakes, but we can repent and turn to Jesus and he can give, our, give us his strength for the future. Um, so during this last time, I just want to invite you, whatever it looks like to you today, to, to call out to the Lord to cry out to him. I want to invite you to do that. And so we're just going to sing a couple songs together. Um, so let me just go ahead and pray for us and, and we'll worship the Lord.